Hi, welcome to another episode of Graging Acely, the podcast where two sister friends. No, I can't think of the tagline. <laughs> I normally have it written down. All right, hold on. What is it? The podcast where two transcontinental sister friends discuss the art of graging acefully. Did I nail it? Is so. that right? Sounds about Maybe. right. My back I think hurts. we should just leave this whole in- introduction. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, friends. I'm... Uh... <laughs> Hi, I am Amanda Topping, and you are. <laughs> I'm Kate Stroud. Yeah, and we're just living real today. Oh, that geez, is Louise. I'm getting uh, real we're, Midwestern we're gonna... with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we will also preface that Amanda got COVID this week, so yeah. she is in charge of usually doing the introduction tagline, and we could have redone that, but we just decided to leave it as is because we're just here to live life real. That's right. And I got a little bit of sexy smoker wars uh, happening still. And um, my notebook is on top of the wardrobe and my bones still kind of hurt because of COVID, but uh, woke up feeling a lot better today. Anyway, so that's the state of our affairs. And um, today we're going to attempt to discuss um, how to and how not to do, <laughs> um, to hold space or to be present to a person when they deliver big news to you, big, maybe not positive news to you, or if they're grieving and just that conversation about how we can, you know, be in the space of unpleasantness with as much grace as possible. Would you say that's true, Kate? Yeah, I would say also. It's um, talking about the art of not fixing. I, yeah. You hold space without fixing. And um, in, in my realm, I've had the opportunity to be the deliverer of such news recently. And then also I have a number of friends that are going through some very difficult things and it all seems to be converging at the same time. So there's a lot of opportunity to look at and experience. um, What do I say? What do I say to this person? How do I show up best for this person? Or um, as I'm sharing my news, experiencing how people receive my news and and just to be transparent, because I'm I'm me. I've recently had um, um, a cancer scare. Um, it is unresolved at this time what it's going to be or what the path is. Um, but sharing that information with family or friends, and because I'm me, and I I like to keep people updated real time, and I I like to walk through these things with my community. Um, you know, and, and experiencing different ways, um, and you know, back when I had cancer the first time back in 2018, I wrote a blog post about um, the empathetic face of, because I am someone who lives my life, you know, open. um, I do find that sharing my experience, I've had a lot of feedback that it's helped others along their path. And I, I, and it's kind of like, how do you make sense of these things that are happening in your life? 
And if I can help someone else on their path by speaking openly about mine, because it is my disposition to just be that way. Uh, it's not everyone's disposition. It happens to be mine. Um, you know, I appreciate that. And one of the things that I noticed, you know, because we live in a small community and um, I still say that Amanda lives here, even though her body is not here. Um, I feel like I live, live there. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, where I, where, where we live is a small community. So it's, it's, you can't throw a rock without seeing somebody you meet or, you know, and everybody knows everybody for the most part. And so walking through town, especially I realized, um, as the seasons changed and the weather got warmer, where everyone's kind of crawling out of their boxes, out of hibernation and seeing each other, that people would see me and they'd have the empathetic face. And it's like, I could tell, oh, they know. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but then I'd have some people just come and be like, you know, Hey, I heard, how are you doing? You know, or, Hey, I heard, how are you doing? And, and it's all done with, you know, compassion and love and empathy. But there comes after a while that I realized that I just wanted to be approached as normal. So it's that right. conundrum of like living openly, but then also being like, I, I am alive today, you know, and I'm, I'm, I might be working through something, but um, it's, it's just an interesting conundrum of how do we, how do we navigate being with people, holding space with people, acknowledging and being in community with people, also acknowledging the individuality of all humans. And, and I, I would say one of the, the things that I've come across is, um, and also I've been totally guilty of doing this. I, my default is to be a fixer mm -hmm. and Amanda knows that. And she um, will ward me and remind me of like, Hey, when you're in this situation, I just want to remind you because I can be a goldfish to not be a fixer. Um, and I have found, you know, and that's some people's default reaction. It's, and communication is not something that's taught in school. I think it should be an elementary. It should be part of curriculum through all, you know, 12 years here, mm -hmm. but it's not, you know. Um, and I have, you know, just teaching doula trainings and doing midwifery work, especially out of hospital midwifery work like you have, you know, where prenatals are an hour, hour and a half long. Right. You know, where all you do is listen. And, you know, and you listen to people after they have their births. And unfortunately, usually there's some stuff there. Mm -hmm. And learning that I can't fix it. And the best thing to do is just listen, even if I have suggestions. Sure. You know, to, to listen and, and, you know, and sometimes it might be like, what do you need at this time? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. And so I'm going to circle back for a moment because like this impulse is a human being who's learning of news or runs across the person, right? Like you were saying in 2018, coming out of, into that spring, and and running into people in in town who like give you that 
empathetic base and like, Hey, it's like, instead of how are you doing? It's like, mm, how are you doing? You know, it's like somebody stepped on your kitten and you're like, no, this is my life. And so just to say, it would pull like, me back into that mindset. 100%. If, if I was able to escape that mindset for that day, it would pull me back into that mindset. Right. And they're trying to be empathetic and caring and loving, but it's like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I think our tendency as a human being is to, I don't know if Kate knows that I know about her cancer situation. So if I come up to her with my empathy face and tone, then she doesn't feel the need to explain how she's been doing. Right. Like, so that might be the thought behind empathy face. Yeah. Um, which is valid. And I think we are both pointing out or hope to point out that like, it's not necessary, you know, because that person, you in that instance, you're not wondering, do they know if I have cancer, (laughs) you know, or maybe you are, but like, you'll tell them if you need to, right? right? Like they, they don't know. Just keep the empathy face. It's kind. The, the, but, just meet someone with, Hey, how are you? Go neutral until signs yeah. tell you otherwise. And so yeah, in that I- instance, if you were having a shit day and we're like, you know what, I'm just having a really hard day. Then pull out your, you know, I stepped on a kitten face. Um, if there, if you're like, <laughs> what an analogy. I know. I'm just thinking like, what's the saddest thing? Stepping on a kitty. Um, but like, unless you hate cats, don't. Well, I stepped on a snail. I step on snails when I go do my laundry and it's like oh. an electric shock of. Oh, it's horrendous. Or oh, something. it's yeah. terrible. It's like crunched. And I'm like, oh, because I, I know because I have pet snails in my kitchen and I'm like, I just stepped on your brother. Yeah. I'm sorry, buddy. So stepping on a but snail. Yeah. Step on a snail. Crunch. Ooh. Um, oh, but. You know, if that person met you with neutral and you were like, hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Meet their fucking tone. It's not yeah. just meet them where they're at. Um, so, yeah, was, that yeah. just circling back to that. And then, yeah, we'll get more into <laughs> or, uh, how to fix the culture. No, uh, we can't fix it by just being this aware. Don't fix things, but let us fix the culture. Yeah. Don't be a fixer. Um, and that's, yeah, it's very common in in folks who tend to be, um, one caring as I'll get out, right. Let me take care of that for you. That looks heavy. Let me carry it for you. And then there's the other type of fixers who are maybe not, uh, genuinely, no, that's a wrong word. Not, uh, characteristically caring so much as, they're uncomfortable and they're a very black and white thinker. And so they're like, well, I'll just fix it. And all this discomfort that I'm feeling will go away if I provide a lot of options. Both fixers are very invalidating. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. And and I do want to just preface everything. I have I have delivered the empathy face. I have tried to fix people. This is a, a path of oh, conversation yeah, we, outward and also a conversation inward of like- Inward, yes. Yeah, of just like, I'm reflecting out, but I'm also reflecting in. So I'm not like sitting here calling people out and saying I'm perfect. But um, yeah. That's I mean, what we've is, learned as a result of all that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean it, it is a cultural 
um, it is just something we don't talk about and we are not taught. Communication is, and, and how to especially hold space. And, you know, you and I are in an age bracket where, you know, I think, you know, I delivered some news this week to people. And then I also received news from like three other people this week hmm. about very big, hard things. And we're just at that age, yeah. you know, and, and, and I think the world is just becoming as such that, you know, regardless of age, it's becoming more common. Um, but yeah, the fixers are definitely, there's different motivations, but I do think a lot of it is based in, um, I'm uncomfortable. So I'm going to try to make this better. And it like, and if you think about it logically, it actually feels like it should make sense of like, well, no, maybe there's this resource they don't have or this, that, and the other, or um, no, Hey, I can do this for you, or I can get this for you. Or, I can fix this for you. Instead of saying, oh, you have this thing going on. What do you need? And people might say, well, I just need, I just needed to, I just needed to vent. I just needed to bitch. I just needed to, I'll figure it out. And she's like, well, you know, if you need anything, I'm here, I'm open. And then it's, and then it's in the other person's court to be able to ask for what they need. And they might not in that moment, they might run back later. They might not. And just say, Hey, that was a very nice offer. Also, I think conversely, you know, the art of communication in a healthy way, but then also teaching the art of asking and receiving help, which I'm not very great at. Um, Same. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, I also would love to instill in myself and the people around me, the comfort to say, Hey, you had offered to, to help. I need help. Mm-hmm. I I would like to take you up on that. Or what options do you have? You know um, it's, yeah. Or the, the, you know, then there's the help and then there's also the coaching, um, which, you know, and, and none of this is black and white. It's just, you kind of, you have to read the person, but the default to fill the space when someone to fill the space with words. And I think our chronic discomfort with silence. Yeah. Well, the problem with being the fixer too, again, whether it's the goal-oriented, actionable, okay, we'll do this, 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 and this, or let me hop in and, you know, care provide for you in some ways, right? Um, fixing. What they do is they center, they decenter the person who should be centered. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So if I say, you know, Kate, this really bad thing has happened to me and you hop in with like, oh, well, what you need to do is, and don't be down. You're tough. You can do this and that. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or the other way of like, well, I'll come by and walk your dog. And I'm like, whoa, I don't need you to do anything. I just, this thing happened and I'm fucking stunned, right? Like, the hopping into fixer mode takes the spotlight off the person who was brave enough to speak out and share their news. Yeah. And, and very loving. That's kind of crappy and it's not intentional, but if we yeah, can see it that yeah. way, Ooh, it's crappy. We've all done. Yeah, yeah. It's crappy that we all do. 
Yep. And, you know, again, this is an outward and inward conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, recently when speaking of my cancer scare and like procedures I might need to have or support, um, you know, I mean, we are true Midwesterners to the hilt. Everyone. You, do you need a casserole? Because <laughs> I can bring you food. I just want to cook for you. I just want to bring you food. And, and it's hard to also look at people because I do, it is kind of, it, it, at times it can be tough for me to say, I have a really strange diet and people are like, no, 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 no. I can work around your restrictions. And then I have to say, I don't want you to. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually want you to do that because food is part of my healing process mm-hmm. that I probably have a few control issues because I'm also Midwesterner in the fact that if you brought me something and I didn't like it or it had things in it that, you know, that aren't going to, you know, necessarily that I'm not like blatantly allergic to, but I shouldn't be eating, I will eat it because I'm a polite Midwesterner and that's my own hurdle to walk. Oh, friend, I, I ate, I ate too. I got one memorable oh. thing I ate through <laughs> and oh it was God, like eating real. through wet, wet leaves for about four days. I was like, Oh my God, I'm a nice person. This is so hard to I'm swallow. A nice person. There are somebody made this people. for me. There's a starving person in some country somewhere that would love this. I'm just, they, I'm nobody not. would love this. <laughs> and it's, it's, and it's so sweet and kind, but yeah, we're all like, I had, I had a beautiful, lovely human say it to me yesterday. I was like, I just wanted to cook you food. I was like, I, I don't, I, I really, I eat a pan of sauteed vegetables and millet ideally, <laughs> right. you know, and it's, um, it's, it's, it is such a sweet, lovely thing or, or someone I'll take your dog. I'm like, don't take my dog. That's like my only roommate right now. Like yes. he's as annoying as he is. And as much as I complain about him, um, he's my, he's my man, you know? And, um, you know, and then I do find that when people are like, I'll come walk your dog or I'll walk your dog for you. It's like, not all. I mean, Carmen has actually been amazing when she comes here, she'll walk the dog and she's just lovely. But like when people are like, I'll come walk your dog and like, and then they fizzle out. And so I'm like, you know, I, I, I can't think that you're going to do something and then your life gets busy or you forgot that you offered that or that kind of thing. Um, so it's also, you know, if you're going to help show up, For sure. you know, and I think we say these things in, we say things or offer things to fill the space, to fill the space, to pacify our discomfort and then realize like, oh, I committed to something. I, I, so many times I commit to things in a moment that I'm like, why the f- did I commit to that? You know, right. I have too many things going cause I get excited or I, I really do believe in that moment that it's going to happen. And then how do you unpack that? And unfortunately, a lot of people unpack it by just dropping the ball or forgetting or ghosting. And, um, of which again, outward conversation and inward conversation, I am not <clears throat> perfect in any way, but I've gotten more mindful of what I offer and what, you know, um, I'm capable of, um, with, with people, but, you know, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I, I do find culture fascinating that we (laughs) put so much weight on these mathematical test scores, or do you know this, you know, 
patriarchal history of you know the United States or these dates or these things and da, 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 instead of like hey can we just talk about communication can we talk about listening can we talk about holding space in difficult times um, along with you know practical life math or banking and <laughs> investments right. or like whatever how to how to have a healthy financial life there's so many things that we don't cover in our quote unquote educational system um and so yeah i think just having come across it because when i have people who've presented me you know and we we live in a text culture now a lot and when i have folks that text me some heavy news i sit and stare at the phone for a while and i'm like nothing I type here will feel like it's adequate. Yeah, that's a very valid point. And yeah, if you were sitting across from them, the impulse would be to fill up the space. Yeah, When you get it through a text, you do what you should do when you're in physical proximity, really, is just yeah. sit with it. Yeah. And say, I'm sending you love. Yeah. Let me know if you need anything. Because it's a lot of effort to type out, I'll come take your dog. I'll come do this. You know, you should do this. You should call this. That's a lot of texting. And like my thumbs just, I, I my ADD kicks in and I just can't type that long. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you do default to like the heart emoji, sending hugs and love. And maybe that's, and maybe that's why that's become a comfortable Vehicle means of yeah of communicating of of sharing and and like with my own thing I've tried to avoid I've tried to do like more of like I would like to be in your personal presence and see your face and read your body because that's big part of my communication. Um, but like when I've shared stuff with you know even my kids, I haven't been able to drive down to Detroit because if if I was saying I'm driving down to Detroit, he would have been like, just tell What's me right up? now. What's yes, up? Yes. Why are you driving down to Detroit to tell me something? And so I'm like, I don't want to cause you an hour of anxiety mm -hmm. um, instead of, and so it's like this catch 22 of, you know, cause also I think if I texted it to Sam, he'd be like, mom, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it's my son. It's not like, you know, you know, someone in my community. Um, you know, and it, it, I'll be really honest, anybody listening to this, Amanda and I did not pre-think or write an outline for this conversation before we came in. And it was more of like, yeah, we both have a lot of stuff going on. What is something at the forefront? And it's like, yeah, this is just here. So you have Amanda and I talking off the hip right now. Um, and you know, there is a book when I teach, um, when I teach my, my doula trainings, I play a Ted talk, um, by a, um, interviewer named Celeste Headley. And she is the daughter of an interviewer. Um, she's on NPR and, um, she doesn't have a show, but she is here and there, I think now, but she's written a couple books. And one of them is we need to talk. And she's, you know, got these 10 points of, you know, of listening. And, you know, she even takes a little jab at reflective listening that we're like, mm -hmm. okay, so what I hear you saying is that your cancer might be back. And mm -hmm. did I hear that correctly? And she's like, you don't need to pretend that you're listening if you're actually listening. You know, and it's like, that. don't, yeah, it's like, don't multitask, you know, 
um, you know, keep it brief. Don't get off into the weeds. Like, um, like no one needs to know the date of everything happening, which I am terrible at that. Like that is where my little neurodivergent brain is like, I need to give you all the specific details. So I'm understood fully, you know, um, that is my, that is, that is my, my crux of, I, I talk to the point that I'm like, no, you need to understand it completely and fully. Um, which ends up, I just talk a lot, but, um, and also accepting that when, you know, I'm sitting here saying, you know, things that people do when we offer news or things we do when people offer us news. And then also owning that each human is individual. And I think that's where it kind of goes back to that if someone shares something with you, looking at them and saying, what do you need? And it's also being able to take that pause um, of if someone shares news and like someone might share news with me and be super excited about my news where I'm terrified. Mm -hmm. And and the mismatch of that, of being able to, or that I have news that, you know, I'm terrified and then someone else offers how it affects them. Yeah. On my news, and it's just kind of like, I can't handle, I'm I'm trying to work with my situation I don't have the space to hold your situation that is caused by my situation. Um, and also understanding that some people just can't hear, like they they just can't hear your stuff. And yeah. it doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean, but like people have capacity, people have their own past, people have their own triggers. And it's like, so how, It'd be really interesting because I don't, I don't, how do we as humans hold, like, ha, like be true to ourselves, but also hold space that not everyone can hear, you know, I, I had someone. The weight of something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I had some people say that, like, when I was going through my divorce, they're like, it triggered me. I just couldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to hear, but it's authentic. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think people usually don't say those things outright until you're trying to repair the relationship. I think people default to just kind of like stepping back because also, again, we're not taught the words to say, I really see where you're at. Um, I'm sending you love. I just, I, this is triggering my stuff. So I, I'm going to need to step, I love you, but I need to step back for my own boundaries and self-care. We're not taught to do that. We're more taught to like, I'm just going to pull back, which I've had people do that with me. And then it triggers, like, you almost feel like a leper, you know, just kind of like, oh, yeah, totally. why? Yeah. I'm just like, well, why did you disappear? Why did you drop me when I needed you more than ever? Um, and then to hear, you know, a month or years later that it's just like, well, it was triggering. It's like, okay, but it, it would have it would have helped if that was just okay to say. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think some people, you know, I'm sitting here saying like, we should just say that. And then some people might say, some people might get shitty about saying like, this isn't about you. I need you here for me. And it's like, well, then we can fall down the rabbit hole of like, no, it should be actually known and socially acceptable for people to have their own boundaries of <laughs> what boundaries, capacity yes. they can take on, you know, boundaries. It just goes back to boundaries. Yeah. 
what would be making it all about you is if they said, okay, and this is actually um, a loved one of my family kind of has a, a tendency toward this and I'll use an example, but I won't say who, <laughs> you know, early on, I, um, before I had kids, I had a miscarriage and, um, and was, a, I didn't want to be pregnant. So I was like equally, I was relieved and then shocked by how sad I was at the same yeah. time, because I was like, Oh wait, I was pregnant for like a second. That bizarre. Right. And, and I was really sad. And so when I reached out to talk about these complicated, these complex feelings, because I was, I was relieved. And I, to this day, I'm relieved because I also would have probably had an abortion because it was just not a good time. And I would have been relieved that that was an option too. But at any rate, it was this miscarriage. And um, when I reached out, it was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm really sad about this. And I was met with, oh, I had a miscarriage, but actually I was five months pregnant and it was so much worse because da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden, you know, I sat there for about 40 minutes listening to, you know, a traumatic medical event and went home, not having been listened to at all. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a case of (laughs) somebody making it about them. And if somebody says, you know, I'm sorry. I don't, I just don't have the bandwidth. This is really triggering. I don't, I can't be the support person I want to be for you right now. Right. That's not making that about them. That's being very honest and a, a loving response. And it can still hurt. Cause you're like, damn, I really love when you can be there for me. Right. You know, you can still be like disappointed, but it's a, it's a very different thing, isn't it? Well, yeah. And also like that, that, that sharp pang of, someone setting a boundary of which I've had that experience recently. And I appreciated it so much that this person set up the boundary. But it still um, felt like rejection, isn't it? It still feels like rejection. And I think as loving, empathetic humans, we don't set boundaries because we don't want to hurt the other person yeah. and knowing that it's yeah. hard to hear. And instead of like normalizing, fielding those boundaries with that pang without having to vilify everyone or be a victim, and saying mm-hmm. like, nope, you set up a boundary. I respect you and I love you for that. I am feeling a wave of shame. I'm feeling disappointment. I'm feeling whatever. And then being able to recover from that. And, you know, maybe they can be there for you in a different capacity. Or maybe you round back later and, you know, after this is passed. Um, but, you know, and I think people share those stories <clears throat> for many reasons. But I think the default in the mind potentially would be, well, you know, she knows it could have been worse. And, um, you know, it's the rationale of why and how we tell those stories and why it seems logical and okay of you feel like you're relating, you feel like you're you know, pulling someone into a circle and saying, yeah, it could have been worse. We, I, I've been there too. Um, it's like getting, it's like sitting in the boat in the middle of the ocean and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm in a boat in the middle of the ocean and someone gets in your boat with you and then starts rocking it and just being like, I was really better in my boat before you got in. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I just really wanted you to come up next to my boat 
and you can rock in your own boat, but you know, but if, if that doesn't work for you, can you just, you know, maybe say, I can't stop right now. <laughs> that, I don't know if that analogy makes any sense, but it was a good little trip we just went on. Okay. So I think that um, one thing that you and I obviously share in common and have learned tremendously from is our time in birth work where obviously there's so many emotions and um, outcomes um, and hopefully we're taught by really good mentors. And I think we both were that teach us the, the art of just sitting and listening. Um, and like you're saying, kind of just waiting to the end, trying to keep the interjections at a minimum. Mm-hmm. You don't, if you're actively listening, you don't need to be a reflective listener. Um, unless you're a therapist, I suppose, who, who is like, maybe if you are trying to, you know, get bullet points and assess everything. But I think at the end of the day, like we, like we're both have that and it's such a gift. And, and I have, I have to remind myself of that too, when I get frustrated in my personal life sometimes. And I'm like, fuck, you know, (laughs) it's really hard sometimes to find somebody who can like openly, genuinely listen to you without trying to fix and without trying to interject, um, suggestions or their personal narrative. When you're just like, I just need somebody to listen to me. Um, really, really lucky if you have that, uh, in a relationship, you know, within your life. And if you don't then get a good therapist because you pay them to do that. (laughs) Um, and if you don't find a good therapist, find another therapist, if you can, you know, I obviously it's a privilege and a luxury to get therapy, but I do think it's not a coincidence that both you and I, um, tend to hold nearest and dear to us friends who are either, uh, birth workers, um, therapists, social workers, uh, people whose job it is to, to listen to other people's stories. Um, because we just immediately kind of form these connections with those, um, I don't know, you know, and I'm trying to figure out like, what is it? Because it's also like, personally for me, it's also a fascination with listening to people's stories, um, you know, which is why, you know, we do stuff like listen to like, you know, this American life for decades and the moth story hour, you know, like these sort of things. Like, I'm like, oh my God, yes. All the dialogue, give me all the dialogue. I want to hear it, you know, which is why I cannot stand an action film because it's so disruptive to my nervous system. No, but if it's two people talking quietly, I'm, I'm there for it. And so maybe there's a little bit of wiring um, involved with that, that we're just drawn to it. I watched fried green tomatoes like twice in 24 hours recently. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh, they're just talking and storytelling. Yeah. And, and what you can learn when you just listen, because if you are just listening, if you're trying to fix, you're collecting information to reflect back, or you have ideas you want to share. And, and you're not you're actively so listening because you're yeah. waiting to be like, I've solved it. <laughs> right. Right. And what I've come to embrace only, I will be very honest, like, um, you know, in my personal life only recently have, cause my memory is 
aging for many reasons. But, you know, when I'm talking to people, letting go of, um, cause you try to hold on, like they say something and you have, you're like, oh, I got a great thing to say or share or whatever, yes. reflect back, getting to the point of being like, I got to let the conveyor belt go because if I try to hold on to that, I'm not listening to what they're saying. And Celeste Headley does talk about that in her TED talk of, you know, listening to interviews where like people are talking and then the interview asks this question that's totally out of left field that the person, and you realize they haven't been listening because they were too busy trying to remember what they wanted to say. Yeah. And that is, then that goes back to decentralizing the speaker. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, and I do find, I, I think because you and I have walked in these realms and these circles of people who professionally listen for a living, I didn't realize it was a superpower until um, I went and got an office job and was around a more mixed demographic and, um, or, you know, just being, you know, around different people that it's like, holy, I didn't know it was a superpower or a thing that, you know, I'm like, no, I want to have a conversation about how to listen and how to hold space for people of like, um, you know, and also I think because of our background, you and I can hear some pretty intense stuff Mm -hmm. without blinking an eye. Right. And saying, you know, do you want to tell me more about that? Do you want, like, you know, how are you feeling about that? It's like moving through with curiosity um, and not making assumptions because every human is different. And yeah, this person might be like, I could really use some advice right now. They've opened that door. And I guess it's the idea of like, you're walking up to someone's like emotional house and they're standing out front and they're telling you a story. And I wouldn't just walk into someone's house. I'd be waited to be invited in. For sure. And it's the invitation to share more. And it's not that, yeah, and it's not that like in these relationships, we don't share more. It's just, it goes to consent. Mm -hmm. It goes to meeting that person and saying, I want you to consent to what you need right now. And someone can say, and also it's learning to have the voice to say, I'd really love some advice. Or I'd really love you to just pep talk me right now because I need a pep talk. Or I need reassurance right now. I mean, talk about vulnerable. Yeah. Like asking for, for, you know, especially in relationships or like, especially as like budding new relationships or when relationships are on the rocks of just saying, you know, I just need reassurance right now. And then also conversely, not shaming anyone for asking for that reassurance. That's a very vulnerable thing to do. And if someone has the ability to say, I'm feeling anxious because of this, or I'm just feeling anxious. Could you just reassure me right now? That is the best way to say to someone, you're important to me and I care about you. and I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I'm not fixing you. I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to fix it, but you're asking for what you need to me. And sometimes the reassurance is not to be given. And I, I would say if someone's asking for reassurance, don't give them false reassurance. Yeah. Give them honesty. They're opening the door. And you can say, I would, I, I want to be authentic to myself and this is what I can offer right now, that this is where I'm at. And I think it's this, 
avoidance, again, internal and external conversation here, this avoidance of saying the hard things. And I think our culture moves so fast and we have so many things to distract ourselves from the discomfort of having the tough conversations of making boundaries or being authentic. If someone's like, I have a worry that you're, you know, I don't know what I, I mean, the most like, I think common one would be like, I, I have a worry that like, you're going to leave me or, you know, it's like the abandonment sure. that a lot of people have. Yeah. And instead of saying, I'm not going to leave you saying like, I hear that you have anxiety of where we're at right now that I'm going to leave you. And where I'm at right now is I'm navigating through some feelings. I care for you very much, but you know, I, I need to go take some time to figure out what my path is moving forward. And I, and I care about you, but I just have to go work on some things. Now that is not necessarily the reassurance the person is looking for, but it is information. You know, just because someone's asking for reassurance, don't give false reassurance. They're asking for information and they're hoping that it's what they're looking for to make them feel better. But I would rather have someone say something hard to me that's honest and give me the information um, that at least I'm not letting my imagination, which my imagination can be very, very elaborate. Absolutely. I was going to say, we fill in the spaces so quickly with um speculation you know um i always have to like stop myself when i'm like future tripping and spiraling of like whoop it's all speculation yeah i didn't i didn't coin that but um it's that it is that act of like just filling in all the space with all the terrible what ifs and um and then I have to be like, mm, you know, that's when you come back to like, mm, can I wiggle my toes? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, can what I feel are three my... things I see in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel my rib cage move with each breath, you know, like whatever. Um, and this shit works. Being present and centered in the now rather than, you know, yeah. future chirping. Yeah, because it, it brings no joy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, and yeah. It, it usually catastrophizes. And so it's like, totally. If someone offers me their authentic truth, you know, if they're able to share it and someone might say, I, I, you know, what I can offer you right now is I care about you very much and I will do my best to be authentic and respectful to the connection we have, but I, I don't really have more to share right now. Mm-hmm. Like, cause some people might not have it articulated. Like I, you know, I have some people who will do that sometimes they're like, I have something to talk to you about, but it's not fully formed but I care about our relationship. So I want to, it's fully formed before we talk about it. Can we set up some time next week? And I think it's mm-hmm. also like throwing in there, like the, I care about you very much, you know, cause if, if you're taking the time to exchange with someone, you know, or being say like, you know, I respect our relationship or I, I, um, you know, whatever. And, but it's, it's, um, Gosh, that it is so hard to be authentic and present and honest, especially in those hard things like making boundaries and um, just not bullshitting people, you know? Yeah, not bullshitting people and not trying to fix it and not polishing a turd. Um, let's go there a little bit. Don't throw glitter all over 
the thing. I like frosting on shit. At least, frosting on shit. <laughs> at least it's not this. At least it's not that. You know, you can try again. You can da da da. It's just like, shut up, stop it. That invalidates what has happened, what is presently being felt. Truly, 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 you can just say, that sounds really tough. Yeah. I'm so, so sorry that happened or you're going through this. Um, if you know that you have a shared story, now is not the time to insert it. You might say, I had a similar instance happen to me. If at some point in the future you'd like to talk, you know, that I'm here for you <laughs> with or without Matt's story. Because sometimes I will say that sometimes that does feel good, right? I know, Kate, when you had cancer and you were connected with a woman who had a similar cancer and if, you know, you know, eventually on your own terms, that felt good to reach out and speak to her, you know what I mean? But like in the moment of the day of your diagnosis or whatever, if somebody said, oh, well, I've had that happen too, it would have invalidated your present, right? And sometimes it increases the anxiety because I'm not prepared Huge. yet. I'm like, I have to unpack of some of my own stuff. And I, and I think cancer is like an easy, cancer's not easy. Cancer is a um, more contained example to speak of this because there were times that like, yeah, I threw out to people of like trying to get connections and people are like, oh yeah, I know this person had colon cancer, this person. And then I started to reach out to people and I had to retract. And I said, I'm sorry, I know I reached out to you, but I can't hear this right now. Yeah. And some people I rounded back to and some people I just didn't. Sure. Um, and so also it's okay to have those boundaries for yourself of, you know, even though it's like saying like, oh, I'd like to hear this story. And then listening to your body and saying like, oh, no, no that was a misstep. I'm not ready yet. And, and yep. instead of eating the casserole that someone brings over that tastes like wet leaves saying, you know, I, you know, I know I said I wanted this, but I just can't. It's like, it's just the, I guess all of this boils down to the authenticity of communication, which is not always comfortable. Yeah. And it's not comfortable to make a boundary because I know that when a boundary is made with me, I get uncomfortable or I feel shame and I don't want to do that to someone else. Right. Rather than, and, and it's also about delivery mm -hmm. of, um, and, and then it goes, you know, if we unpack it even farther, just to mindfulness of like, what does your face look like? How are you holding your body? Like, um, what is your tone? And because um, we can say the same exact words with different facial expressions, tone, body language, and it lands so differently. Right. You know? Well, then it comes and back then, to the stepped on a kitten slash snail face versus and saying, oh, my God, I'm so sorry versus holy shit. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And it's those, and it's, those land it's, differently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, and it's really interesting also because, you know, just holding space for, I'm just going to say this whole thing as we're talking about it, it is not in a box with a bow easy to tie up. It's complicated. So like when I've shared 
um, things about, I've shared my, you know, recent cancer stuff with some people at work or, you know, um, people part of my community. And the first thing they do is they cry. Yeah. And, um, and that is not something that you can control, you know, or, you know, and it, and it is like, I also own that if I'm sitting here sharing this big bomb news that I, I also need to be empathetic to humans' natural reactions to things mm-hmm. of receiving it. And and it's like, I think a natural reaction, like watching, you know, a coworker tear up, of like, I can hold space for that. But then it's like, but then if they followed up with like bigger things about them, that's where it's like, okay, this is not the pet this that kind of gets into what we're dealing with not not the initial reaction because you're allowed to be human i'm not going to get mad at someone for tearing up because i'm talking about the fact yeah. that you know i have a cancer scare um it's just where you move forward with that um so so i guess like when people say you know if if someone tells me something and i tear up or i want to cry i'm not going to you know feel shame about that but I'm also going to have my emotions, but also re-centralize that human mm-hmm. and say, you know, how are you? Or, you know, it's like, you know, I, I don't. No, it's a really good point. I mean, because it is a natural reaction to be, to cry, to, to, to emote, to feel sad. Now, when that is possibly taken too far is when you, as the person who just delivered the bad news about say yourself, then has to take on the role of comforting the other person. That's just not okay. (laughs) Yeah. And just because someone cries in front of me doesn't mean it's my job to comfort them. I can Mm -hmm. sit, I, I can sit in the silence totally, and allow them to take in what I just said without fixing them. Yeah. So the fixing can go both ways of like someone who's delivering news of being like, it's not my job to fix other people. Just like it's their not job, not their job to fix me. Like I want them to hold my humanity, and I also am responsible in this relationship to hold their humanity. Mm-hmm. I can't expect people to be superhuman when I surprise them with things. I'm like it. It, it is. It's holding the humanity, and then in that moment, if someone is crying in front of me, I can just. I can just be silent and allow them to process through that. And I, and I'll be honest, I, I had shared some information with a community member, you know, someone who's part of my family um, recently and they really started crying. It wasn't like a tear up, like a lot of people do the tear up and they just started crying. Mm -hmm. And then I started continuing to talk and they said, I need a minute. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And I sat quietly and then they were like, okay. Yeah. And that was the most beautiful human exchange yeah. of I'm sharing this thing with you. You're having your authentic experience, although not making it about you. You're just being human. You compose yourself. And then we moved on. And, and, sh- and, and they also asked for what they needed. They said, I need a minute. Okay. Sitting in the silence. Yeah. And it's also me 
knowing that I'm sharing information, understanding other people's humanity. It's it, it's when people get upset of like, you know, well, they had this, they had that. And I, I've totally, you know, this is a journey to get here. You know, I've, I've probably been judgmental of people's humanity in the presence of my life bombs, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why I can sit here and say like, yeah, I've, I've totally probably freaking done this. I'm sorry. There's probably people listening to this and be like, oh, well, you did that to me. Yeah, I probably did. That's how yeah. I learned. That's how I learned to get here and say like, oh, that was, that was not cool. Yeah. I didn't handle that well. And I'm so sorry, but this conversation is to try to be honest about our failings and hopefully keep learning how to be better listeners, right? Because this is like in every aspect of your life, you know? I do find, especially as, as parents, Mm -hmm. like at at what, like we both have adult children now. My Mm -hmm. kids are, my kid's almost 22 and my other one's 18. And trying to figure out how to get into these adult relationships, because a lot of the, it's like the hierarchy changes as they get older of like, first you're the one talking they don't talk and then they talk back and forth and these little toddlers try to be authoritarians and then you know you have the growing through the teen years and then all of a sudden you have these adults that it's just like oh my gosh we used to have a hierarchy and now we're you know I'm still your parent but we are on a level plane and so also morphing with these people as they get older um, informing those respectful relationships and learning how to communicate with your young adults. I have found that to be really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with my, with my cancer journey, um, uh, one of the things, you know, we do have a, um, a human that has been, you know, enfolded into our, our web who, um, you know, her, she had an experience with her mother having cancer and, she shared with us her feelings about how her mom handled things. And so, you know, early on, I had talked to my kids of like, okay, as things go, you know, how do you, how do you want me to handle when things come up? And they're like, I want to hear everything real time. I said, okay. And as things have come up, I'm realizing that's really difficult where, you know, when my, when kids are younger, you know, and I even did this the second time I had cancer. I didn't tell the kids because we found out, I found out right like around Thanksgiving that I had a fast growing tumor on my ovary and Sam was in his first year of college and doing finals. And, you know, Ella was, um, you know, in school and Christmas was coming and New Year's and, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, also at the time our dog got hit by a car and died. Like it was like my life became a freaking country song. So much. Yeah. It was so, fast. so much. And so I made a decision not to tell the kids until after the holidays. And this is actually when we met this, this beautiful human that was enfolded into our lives who had her own experience with her mom passing of cancer. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I like, this is a lot. And also you're a gift because we learned from her to have these conversations And, you know, and I don't remember exactly how my kids reacted, you know, because I told them after the New Year's and then I had surgery on January 10th of 2020. Mm -hmm. 
So they didn't have a lot of time, you know, and I'm, I probably, I would love to have a conversation with them or maybe we have and I've forgotten. And that's how we've ended up to this place of, you know, tell me everything real time. Um, but you know, it's, it's like my, my daughter was in like, traveling in Europe for the past two months. She comes home next week and I had to have a conversation with her while she's in Italy and I'm here of, mm-hmm. Hey, this is real time. This is happening where if, you know, she was 16 and doing that, I'd be like, I'm going to wait till she comes home, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, it's, it is just so individualized and there's no rhyme or reason or rules. Um, but communication and having hard conversations and being real, um, these are the things that create real intimacy. It's not the saying the right thing, doing the right thing, being there at all times. It's the, I'm going to honestly tell you where I'm at or what I need, or, or, you know, and if, and also having, you know, the conversations of saying, we had this conversation, I shared something, and this is what I need next time we talk. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting with that right now. And um, it's hard. It is hard. It's complicated. It's complicated to say, like, because I also know saying that I don't want to hurt another person's feelings by saying, hey, when we talked, it was really difficult. I, I am totally a person who I will throw my own self under the bus before I make someone else feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That is not that is not good role modeling. That is not a good way of walking through the world. That is not good communication. And so I realized that's something I need to do, just saying like, hey, as we move forward in our life entwined together, like this is, this is what I need from you, you know, and this is, and and also we might try this and I might have more things of saying like, you know, and, and it's just being open and that's, that's where true intimacy, I think, comes in you know, whether it be intimacy with a stranger for a fleeting conversation or intimacy with a loved one or a child or a partner. Absolutely. I think too, now I'm like thinking on a more (laughs) spiritual level, you as a Buddhist and me in my yogic path, but these commonalities of like what both of those walks entail Right. In Buddhism, we have, you know, this kind of like suffering is inevitable kind of thing. And so by acknowledging it, there's kind of like this, oh, oh, moment (laughs) in a way. And then and this more yogic path of like, or where I have like focused for my own path for whatever, so long now, like it comes down to the mindfulness of uh, reactivity and, and and trying not to be reactive. And, right. and, and it's, it's truly a practice, you know, I can get on my mat and do all the bippity boppity boo yoga crap and headstands and arm balances or whatever. It doesn't mean shit. If I'm not learning the deeper 
practice and a lot of it to me, and I don't mean to just boil it down to like, oh, Buddhism's about, you know, acknowledging suffering and then, you know, yoga and, and whatever. I'm like so a many Buddhist adjacent yoga. also. Yeah, right. And also I just like, am like clearly, of, yeah. We're like minestrone like, soup of spirituality. 100%. But like, but to me, it's kind of like, I guess what I boil it down to very superficially, but like, that's where I've put the emphasis of my human learning is like trying to be less reactive. Yes. And what that boils down to and how it aligns to this conversation is not inserting self, not centering self, really kind of backing up and looking at the entire room and being okay with the quiet when you do that. Mm-hmm. And then taking that moment to be like, and now I feel my toes and now I feel my breath and here's the things I see. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Doing the, the, the Eckhart Tolle, the past does not exist. The future is <laughs> in your imagination. The only <laughs> thing that is, is now. And it's so damn true. Yeah. It, and it, we don't have to yeah. fix because we don't know what's around the corner. All I can say is, Kate, we don't have that much power. really, I can't imagine unless I can, but I'm not you. So I can't imagine what you're feeling right now. Right. And I, it must be hard or alternately you must be over the moon or, mm-hmm. you know, you know. It's even saying like not even qual- qualifying anything and just anything. Like, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Thank, I'm, I'm, I'm here for thank you. you for thank sharing. you for sharing. Like sometimes thank you for like, sharing. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Thank you for right. sharing. I am here. Like those are all statements, you know, expressing gratitude, expressing presence and expressing like, I'd have like, even if you've had a similar experience of just, you know, every human is different. We can all have the same experience, but every experience is different. And now is not the time to bring it up. Now is not the time. (laughs) And just saying like, you know, if ever you want to talk or if ever you want to hear, um, you know, I'm here, you know, whatever that means. And, and, and yeah, to be able to step back and I, you know, it's like, I always do, I always say the 10,000 foot view of like mm-hmm. kind of pulling up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel myself like, you know, I yeah. have that like Scooby-Doo noise in my head. Um, and being able to pull up from the 10,000 foot view and then like seeing the characters and saying like, oh, well, I can see, you know, this from their point of view or this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, it's, and also like one of my favorite things, there's two things I love to say, and this is a Buddhist thing of um, not good, not bad, just is. Yes. So really avoiding putting qualifications on things. Um, there's a whole Buddhist story that goes behind that. Um, and then the, um, this is all a human construct. Mm-hmm. So much of our existence is a human construct. And I've, that has gotten me through, you know, when doctors say things, like when I was told that I had stage four cancer on my ovary, when they did my full hysterectomy, um, I went into shock 
I started rocking back in a chair like like my neurodivergence was screaming because, mm. you know, one of the things with my neurodivergence is um, things are very loud in my head. Mm -hmm. um, and it's almost like I feel all the feelings that someone would feel over a period of time. I feel them in a matter of seconds. Sure. And um, I just started saying, this is all a human construct. This is all a human construct. This is all a human construct. And so we've constructed an environment that we avoid the intimacy of saying the things that might bring, you know, hard discussions or holding space for people with an empathetic, you know, we, we I feel like we kind of want to fly through things or um, it's, I don't know what my point is, but I think there is something to be said about learning how to be human with other people and being able to see it from the 10,000 foot view or the step back view or removing ourselves or removing. And I think the reactivity part is, is huge because you know, we run so fast. There's so many things going on. Everybody's got a lot of plate spinning. You know, I work as a, as a client success manager. So I deal with people and emotions. And I've been told at my work, like I have the superpower of being able to read people and the empath of when you have people who are really ticked off about something or really upset or I've dropped a bomb and, or something didn't go their way. Um, and it's being able to, um, yeah, I don't know. It's being able to just part of communication, be present, <laughs> be present to just be present and not, um, cause I think we, it's almost like we become pinballs machines of mm -hmm. like, you're reacting, I'm reacting to your reacting. So you're reacting to my reacting and ding -a -ding -a -ding -a -ding -a -ding -a whether it's good, bad, you know, helpful, whatever. And it embracing slow silence and removing the, you know, because I think also sometimes our reactions are based in self-preservation. Yes. Um, yeah. Like I'm a fixer. I will throw myself under the bus. Um, I will sacrifice myself just to make sure everything is like copacetic. Okay. The kids are okay. Or my relationship's okay. Or just, you know, instead of saying like, no, I need to have some hard conversations and, you know, and if those hard conversations don't go well, then I need to remove myself. Um, and that's something that, you know, I'm working on of yeah. that level of mindfulness rather than what, you know, my family calls Pollyanning mm -hmm. of like, um, yeah, not, I'd like not to, just as, yeah. Um, and I just wanted to run back to that, the listening, the acknowledging, the being like, damn, that sucks or whatever. I, you know, I'm here for you. And if there are, if your intentions are like, oh my God, I'll walk the dog. I'll bring you some food or whatever. You don't, don't even mention them in the moment. And so one of one, because people, like you say, tend to overcommit and can't really follow through. You can always send an email or even snail mail is lovely, you know, and, and like literally go home and have a think about what this person just said to you. And if you oh, yeah. really feel compelled to offer up, then look at your damn calendar and your own resources and be like, how, how could I like 
physically help it can i and if you can be like you know what i'm free on thursdays and the third sunday of every month and i would love to help you with your yard worker you know whatever you think if if you can just send an email and be like you don't have to respond to this just keep it in your inbox and know that i'm here for you right like that's a really helpful way we all fumble because we want to help and and so like just making the ways that we help a little easier for the person uh who's just delivered some hard news you know I, I, I go back to, again, goes to birth work and the, the lovely thing of all goes back to birth work um, because it's a threshold and the, and the thresholds of our life of life and death, it's, it, they, they hold like, they hold like all the lessons of living, you know, because mm-hmm. it's where everything is just raw. And I've, you know, said this many times, but with, with birth, when someone is born or someone's going through birth, like. Um, one of the things we come across is like the family members want to be there, want to be present. They want to be part, people want to be part of birth, death, and weddings. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's kind of like, they just want to be a, a part of something. It's where our deconstructed communities It's where we still come together as community in a ritualistic way. Mm-hmm. And with birth, you know, people are like, my mom really wants to be there. I don't want her there. And I just, you know, I reflect back and I say, from our experience, we find that that just means they want to, to be a part of this. So figuring out ways that people can be a part of something. So that's, I think why people do food trains, you know, um, or things. So, so people can be, they want to be enveloped into your story and they want to support you in their story. And so you know, that's when we would say, Hey, you know, maybe come up with things that people could do. Like, can they clean your house? Can they go grocery shopping for you? Things that might not be so immediately in contact with you as a person, because that's, you know, would be like being at the birth and that's not conducive to the birthing person, but, you know, finding those things, like, and even if it's just financial, sometimes, sometimes people just don't need a meal. They don't need a dog. They're like, I just need some money right now to have some breathing room Yes. To sort my shit out or to get the care I need, or, you know, I'm sorry, you know, capitalism does reign here and Mm -hmm. it's based in money. Right. And no. And sometimes it's a very real thing of like, you're like, I've spent so much money getting Uber eats for my kids because I'm, you know, whatever getting, going to all these medical appointments or I'm exhausted or, you know, like, shit like that where it's like, well, you shouldn't be eating that. It's like, no, like when people are stressed, they don't have time to cook. They don't have time to clean. They don't have time to shop. And all, when you have to pay for those services, it's a lot of money. (laughs) And I think we've devalued the assistance of money. Yeah. You know, I've just like, or that it's crass somehow. No, it always helps. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, no, I want to just, I want to buy you that massage, which is always lovely. Those things are always great, but make sure that that's something that is prioritized in their world. Cause they might say like, gosh, this massage certificate's great, but I'm having a hard time buying groceries. Yeah. And I I will never have time to get to a massage or I will never, I can't, I don't have the childcare to go get the massage. Right. 
And, and so it's, it's again, decentralizing ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And prioritizing the person in the place of receipt. You know, it's like, I, I, I'd really love that people want to do a meal train, but like also meal trains to me are overwhelming as a recipient. It's not something I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if I did eat all the foods, um, you know, we had so many dishes on our front porch when I first got cancer and it stressed mm-hmm. me out for months. Cause I was like, I don't want these things. Please take your dishes back or, mm-hmm. you know, or having too much food and trying to figure out how to store it. And like, it ended up adding more stress to my world, although it was lovely and I enjoyed it. It's just, I realized, you know, and it was nice to like see people as they drop stuff off, but I just realized like, oh, it was really it was great for that time, but it's not something that resonates with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's not that I'm hesitant to ask for it or receive it. It's just that it doesn't resonate with me because right. I am down to the point where I eat like one big meal a day and it's usually a pan of sauteed vegetables or stewed vegetables or right. whatever. And let's, let's be honest. Most meal trains are freaking pasta or lasagna. Um, because it's right. the easiest things right. to make right. for a group of people. <laughs> yeah. Or an egg casserole, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. All lovely. Um, all lovely. Not every day. All lovely. Weeks. All lovely. And, <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, I think snail mail, we've gotten mm-hmm. so much into like Instagram, Snapchat. I don't even know. There's probably a whole bunch of stuff that I'm antiquating myself right now, but, um, or text even. Mm-hmm. Um, or even a phone call. Like I love phone calls, but I mean, you know, I mean, Amanda and I have mentioned it before, like Amanda and I had a place of tension cause I, I would, didn't like talking on the phone and I do now. Um, but there was a phase. And so it's like snail mail. Like, I don't know. I mean, if anyone who's listening right now, like when you receive mail, even if it's one sentence, the joy that comes from that is I feel, and it like, it it just doesn't equal receiving a text or getting a phone call or anything. It's just like, I like just a card or a postcard or whatever, um, getting to that place of, you know, because also it takes more effort. Yes. I was going to say, it's like making a mixtape for somebody, right? Like back in the day, which would take that would take like three hours to make a mixtape. It was a labor of love, but like uh, it, it, in this day and age, sending snail mail is kind of like that mixtape. It's like, holy shit, you found a card or a piece of paper or a stationery, and you, you had a stamp. You had a stamp. Maybe you had to go to the post office and right. you know, you had to find my address and you'd, it, it's so, it's such a bizarre thing to think. Cause we're like old enough to remember and you know, mail was just a very standard thing. And now it's become this lovely, um, intimate way of communicating, which I absolutely love and adore. And Kate's really great at sending snail mail. You're really good at it, Kate. And I I love you for that. Well, you're better at it than me these days. I've been lazy and not getting to the post office (laughs) because I have to, and they don't, I can't buy like a book of airmail stamps here that I can figure out. Like I have to go because they have to weigh it. That's what it is. Even though it ends up being the same. UK, get it together. Um, we're at home. I could just buy a book of stamps and go cuckoo, you know, and you gave me your airmail stamps too. So when you left, I think we've talked 
around and around and around about how to try to be a better listener to those who maybe are delivering some heavy news. Um, do you have and more to, to say? And to ourselves. No, I think, you know, it's like, and it might've been a little circular and repetitive, but as they say, it takes numerous times for us to hear something for it to sink in. And this is, I appreciate this conversation because it's something that I personally work on and suss out all the time and own no throne of mastery or perfection. I mean, like I am stumbling along the path of learning how to use my voice um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with empathy and love and sitting in others' discomfort, whether it's their own that they bring to the table or if it's discomfort that it's because I've made a boundary. Um, and, and, and I think the, just the core of how to be in relation with someone. Yeah. And this is just, I want deeper, authentic relationships with the people that I share energy with in this world. Yeah. And so these are just thoughts that I've had and, um, I'm owning my, my part and my fumbles and my foibles and, and, and the fear of trying to lean into this more authentic intimacy with people that I share energy with, whether it's for a day, an hour, or my entire life. Right. So I appreciate this conversation and I always love, love, love talking things out with you. Same. Same. Yeah. And like truly on this quest to be a better person and to cause the least amount of harm possible. Yes. Yeah. To, to ourselves and to others. Yeah. And that's, and that's the duality of it, of, you know, and, and sometimes causing harm will bring discomfort. Mm-hmm. It's like the difference between harm and discomfort and, yeah. and also navigating, not trying to take away that discomfort, but empathetically. Discerning the difference. <laughs> discerning the difference and walking through, walking that path together. Right. Um, but are you feeling good about, you know, the conversation we have that we can move on to what we're reading and watching or eating? <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I feel, I feel good about that. Um, what are you dorky, watching or way. watching or reading? <laughs> um, actually, uh, uh, a podcast was shared with me um, by an absolutely lovely human, and I've listened to it twice. Um, it was an on-being podcast of interview, Rachel, uh, Krista Tippett, who does on being um, interviewed a um, woman named um, Rachel Nicole Remen and uh, Naomi, sorry, Rachel Naomi Remen, who's a doctor who ended up, you know, in her own path, um, opening a practice, not of psychotherapy, but just of, you know, basically holding space for people with cancer or people in difficult health positions. Um, it's like that, that in between of when you have, something in your health going on and you don't necessarily need psychotherapy, but you just need to talk. Yeah. Um, and so she had this practice and she's been a teacher and a healer for a very long time. 
Um, so On Being did a great interview with um, Rachel Naomi Remen, and then um, the same human who, who shared that um, podcast sent me the book in the mail, snail mail, of um, Kitchen Table Wisdom, which is a collection of short stories, um, okay. her own and others that have been shared with her. Um, and so that has been um, a lovely salve for the soul of um, that that does connect to this story, you know, the not the story, but um, the conversation that we just had mm-hmm. um, in like kind of tangential um, of just being in life with people. Um, sure. Well done, that, sweet friend. Those are good gifts. Those are nice. Thinking of you. Very much so. Very much so. Um, And what am I eating? I I had to make, we had a Thanksgiving potluck at my work and, um, you know, all that was left for me to fill in was like a main dish. And I was like, dang it, you can't bring like the chips and salsa or like bag of cookies. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) filled those spots. So I actually made a um, farmer's rainbow harvest stew. Mm. Um, which is basically just vegetables in a pot. Um, and then I threw in some mushroom broth and a can of, you know, crushed tomatoes. And in so the rest gay, of gay farmer soup. Gay farmer soup. Um <laughs> I made gay like, farmer wait. soup as I do, and I'm eating gay farmer soup all week. Um because I was like, just, wait, farmer rainbow, farmer rainbow, rainbow. stew. I was yeah, like, was, Kate made that name up. That's pretty funny. I did not. Actually, it was called, it, it, I, I did not. It was It was the rainbow of the garden, but, you know, yes, my queer little self made it um, and brought it to my pot. I was like, I you just, like, rolling in, like, what is that? And you're like, oh, I have to create a, a title for this. Gay farmer soup. <laughs> um, and it's funny, this recipe, I got all excited about it. And I didn't read it all the way through, which is not shocking for me. And then I went to make it and I was like, oh my gosh, this recipe is just an ingredients list. And I was like, huh. And I tried to look it up online and I couldn't find it. I was like, all right, we're going to wing it. Luckily, I'm really good at winging it. Um, What, how about you, my friend? Uh, Well, as you know, I've been really sick this week with COVID, although it's gotten a lot better, a lot faster. Yay, vaccines. Then um, it probably would have, uh, without it, that's for sure. Because what is today, Saturday? It's been one of those weeks too, where I'm like, I slipped for about three days. well, my prayer for you had you healed by Sunday for you to go to work on Monday. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, I plan to. Um, yeah, so I um I watched Young Sheldon season four just became available on Netflix in the UK. Right. So that's like a warm, fuzzy show. Have you watched Young Sheldon? I have never even heard of it. I'm making note right now. It- it's really sweet and it takes place in like the 80s. So, well, like late 80s. So like when I was in high school, but he's a little boy and he's anyway, I never watched the Big Bang Theory, but it's Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. Uh, oh, theory. okay. So, but what I like about it is it's not a sitcom. Uh, it's not got a canned laugh track and all that. It's really sweet. I think you'd really like it. It's total comfort food and was perfect when I was sick. And, um, and as usual, I just made some red lentil coconut milk situation <laughs> using all the vegetables standard. in my fridge. Standard pot of uh, kind of like a doll in my, uh, Ooh, my stove D-A-L, right now. Not D-O-L-L. Doll or D-A-H-L. H-L. Yep. Got the H in I there do sometimes. Like, I like the H in there. Um, the but anyway, so that's, that's, that's me and I'm 
But now I have to go make something for Magda because she is my white carbohydrate woman stuff. All right. All right. Um, thanks, everybody. If you uh, you like us, thank you. And you can uh, you can give us a nice little rating. You don't have to leave Share a with review. your friends. Share with your friends. Um, and yeah, we appreciate you. Until next time, whenever that may be. <laughs> Love you, Amanda. Love you, Kate. Bye.